Welcome back to the Scarlet Faithful Podcast. I'm Aaron Breitman, joined by, once again, David Anderson uh, this Thursday, October 12th, to preview Rutgers, Michigan State, this coming Saturday, noon, homecoming, huge opportunity, of course. David, thanks so much for being back. And just wanted to ask your initial thoughts uh, in terms of recapping what happened at Wisconsin last weekend. Well, kind of like we were talking about offline, pretty much everything that we were pretty confident would happen happened on both for both teams. But when you talk about some of the X factors and the things that we said could happen, uh, Wisconsin definitely got the better of that. Um, for example, their their team came out firing. I mean, their coaches were more aggressive than anyone anticipated throwing the ball and they had mixed results. I mean, they, I mean, this game was 10, nothing could have been 10, three, maybe even 10, seven going into half. And that was even with Wisconsin trying to be more aggressive than we thought. And Rutgers defense held up. Uh, I mean, I guess the biggest positive is that most objective observers who I heard talking about this game felt that the Rutgers defense was probably slightly better than Wisconsin's defense when you look at it. But on the flip side, you know, you know, Tanner Mordecai completed some great passes under duress. There was one on the second or third drive. Rutgers had them in like a third and 10 from their own like 10 yard line. And he was under pressure, somehow got to his third read and just fired a ball to, it was either Bryson Green or Paulding. It was one of their non big, like known receivers. And so you're like, man, if they're like number four, or number five receiver is making that play from a pressured quarterback. I mean, that that's pretty impressive. So, I mean, I felt, I felt like Rutgers played good, not great. And Wisconsin played good. And then they're the better team. Good for them. I should say. Yeah. I think when you're talking about receivers, like that's where depth really showed up. I thought in terms of just Wisconsin having, you know, like you said, the fifth receiver can make a play like that. Um, I think also, you know, like for Rutgers, when they make a critical mistake, this might not sound, uh, this might not be the best enunciated way to say it, but it's like it, it's almost more devastating when it happens because they can't afford that. They, they don't they lack explosiveness to be able to counter those critical mistakes. And I think we all know, you know, the, the way the game turned there at the end of the first half, it was just backbreaking, and it's not just that the game flipped, but it's just that you know the hope of them being able to get back in it is less so than, say, other teams because they lack that explosiveness. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something we're going to see as a theme uh, for the rest of the way with some of the opponents that are coming up on the schedule. But, yeah, I mean, when you force a team to go the length of the field, I mean, you saw Rutgers was right down in the red zone and then made a critical error. But – that's most less likely to happen when Kyle Manunga is popping a 30 plus yard run from outside the red zone. Like we saw against Virginia tech, right? Like right. that, that that's how you get out of those by making big, play, big explosive plays. And there just weren't enough of them during Wisconsin during that game. Uh, so again, I, I was, I wouldn't say pleased, but I wasn't disappointed. I mean, I think it was pretty much what they played that game 10 times. Half of them would, Go probably like that. Yeah. Wisconsin is just a better team. And then the rest might be a toss up. Yeah. And I think, you know, you were saying offline, you know, we're, we're hard. It's easy to harp on their weaknesses, but, you know, they still are a good team. I mean, they're going to be the, the clear favorite to win the West. Um, right. You know, the two losses that Rutgers has 
are against good teams. So now we get into really kind of the ceiling defining part of the schedule with these next two weeks, Michigan state at home at, in, uh, and then at Indiana the week after, what are some initial thoughts uh, that jump out in terms of this matchup with the Spartans? Well, of course they're coming off of a bye week and all right, I'll give the quick crash course. They've got a quarterback controversy. They've got two good running backs. They got an offensive line. That's okay. They've got receivers that don't get a lot of separation, but catch the ball when they're open. Their defensive line can stop the run. They can't get much of a pass rush without a blitz. And their defensive backs are playing serviceable football, which pretty (laughs) much summarizes about 10 of the 14 teams in the Big Ten. (laughs) So, I mean, that's the the high level of their team. Now, in terms of off the field, they're dealing with a lot. So, for example, there's three main things that are jumping out at me from that, and I'm just going to talk about them quickly. One, obviously, is their coaching situation – where they've got an interim coach with two coordinators who were already on the hot seat. I think that they have been not bad, but they were outcoached a little bit by Iowa, who they outgained big time and still lost. Their second thing is that their own fans are having to recalibrate their expectations. So I had heard a story on one of the Michigan State podcasts. I don't know if this is true because I couldn't confirm that there was a decommit, but they had visitors who were at their for Michigan, which they won 31 to 7. But there were boos so early in that game that a guy was like, yeah, I'm not coming here. And so one of their so their fans, even in a 31-7 win, were booing and a commit was like, hey, I'm not coming here, even though the fans were clearly booing a play call. But that's not good. Right. So that kind of not going well for them. And then uh, thirdly, they had an NIL situation right before the Iowa game. The night before, SD4L, which stands for Spartan Dogs for Life, which is their main collective, just pulled money from basically everybody right yeah. before the game, like hours before the kick. Actually, I think it was Friday night, and it was a night game against Iowa, so they had may- maybe 24 hours to like adjust to that. Yeah. And so we thought there might be an exodus, ma- massive guys to the portal. There's only been, I think, three guys, four guys that have entered the portal, unless that happens now. It's possible that going into this game, there might be more. But all that being said, they've kind of held it together for the last two weeks or the last two games, despite all these distractions, which is a little bit concerning to me as a fan of another team, because clearly they've got something inside that is holding them together. Yeah, those are all great points. Um, I agree with you. I, I don't think this is like I'm not even looking at it similarly to like how I looked at Northwestern in terms of, you know, Michigan State has – I think they're better than people give them credit for. They obviously have issues, but, like, I don't know if they're – like, I think they're on-the-field issues or they're on-the-field issues. They're not new because of the situation they find themselves. Obviously, losing your head coach under the circumstances they did is, is less than ideal. But I think that, um, like you said, they have held it together. I think the bye week helps them regroup, refocus – uh, the NIL situation is certainly interesting. I think it will also be interesting to see just in terms of the red shirt rule, guys that have played four games are, you know, are there guys that maybe haven't entered the portal, but that right. are, you know, sitting out this week that we don't even know about that have told the coaching staff they're pulling themselves out. That's happened before. So uh, that will be an interesting thing to watch, but just honing in on the quarterback situation, Keaton Hauser, you know, he's a four-star recruit, um, you yeah. know, former elite 11 guy, uh, you know, limited action, first career start, 
most likely I, the, the interim head coach did a poor job of discuss, trying to, you know, downplay that. He basically said, we're, we're not announcing because we don't want you to know. But, I mean, their whole media reported that Hauser's likely to start. Uh, what, what, I guess, do you think this helps the defense for Rutgers? Or do you think that the unpredictability of this maybe adds another element or layer to this? It's really hard to say. I mean, I'll, I want to shout out some of the comments that we get about how, you know, we kind of praise Gary Nova a lot on this show when we're talking about senior Gary Nova and really watching Noah Kim, who was their previous starter. He's kind of like freshman or sophomore Gary Nova. We're like, you kind of see flashes, but then at the same time, they've got Hauser who's on the coming off the bench, whose meaningful action came against Maryland. And the best thing I can equate Hauser to was, uh, that drive when Rutgers was losing to Ohio State in 2020, and they put Art Sikowski in the game. So it wasn't his freshman year. This was, you know, Sikowski's, like, third year, year in the program. Yeah. And he led them right down the field. He was just throwing laser. And Rutgers went right down the field. They get into the red zone, and it was first or second down, and he, like, just loses the ball. Well, in Hauser's case, they he led them all the way down the field against Maryland. Like, boom, 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 boom. And then he threw just – a basically poor throw on a screen pass that got taken to the house, like 90 yards. Maybe it was almost a hundred yards, the interception return. So you kind of see that. And so you're kind of hoping it's Art Sitkowski-ish in that, yeah, he might have some good tools. He's coming as a four-star recruit, but there's a reason he wasn't starting. Like that's kind of what you're hoping as a Rutgers fan I do think that we've seen Rutgers not be burned by backup quarterbacks as much as maybe they have been in the past. So I feel better about them, you know, maybe changing up coverages, giving the quarterback something they've never seen because, excuse me, as a quarterback, if you've never seen something, it's very hard to adjust in game. Like they can't prepare them for every situation. So I do think that's, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of not, it's kind of the reverse of Virginia tech because in Virginia tech's case, their starter was more of the pocket passer. And then their backup was the more mobile one. This is kind of the reverse. So yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know what to expect. I think if Noah Kim was starting, I would feel like Rutgers definitely had a 60, 65% chance of winning. Now it's like, we'll know in the first quarter, if it's more than that or less based on how that guy's playing. Yeah. Yeah. And weather could be a factor, but um, I think obviously uh, how much that front four can generate pressure, uh, you know, will Harris Simiak, you know, throw some different looks at them, different blitzes here and there. But uh, obviously I think it's a huge opportunity for the defense. And I think it's an opportunity to have multiple turnovers. You know, if you look back at last year, the offense actually had, one of its best days of the season against Michigan state, but it was the defense that really struggled. Uh, so I think this is, I'm sure they're in their heads about that, about bouncing back from that from last year. So I expect the defense to be really motivated. I, I feel like this is a game that they could really dominate. Yeah. I, I think when you watch Michigan state on tape, like we've talked about, the, like I mentioned uh, just now, like their offensive line can get, they can get a little bit of a push in the run game and they can also protect well if you're only rushing four and it's not like, and you have to be prepared for a runner of the pass. 
Like, if they're blocking a standard front, they, they've been getting some yards. I mean, they ran the ball really well against Iowa, better than anyone expected, even their own coaches. <laughs> I mean, that's how weird it was kind of coming off that game. But if you can pressure them, they, they're – like we kind of talked about with Wisconsin, their linemen – on both sides of the ball, get a good push. But their lateral agility is not what you see from the biggest time programs in the Big Ten, right? Like Michigan, their guys, if you if, if they have to adjust or show that second burst or agility, they have it. Michigan State, like they do a good job with the initial surge. But then if you're sending blitzers through, they don't seem to be able to adjust to that, right? So what kind of exotic blitzes corners are probably going to be able to come free? Linebackers, like we saw Tyreen Powell at the beginning of the Michigan game, he went all the way around the backside and then got a sack on the very first drive. So, like, those are the type of things they're not built to protect against. So, with a quarterback who is more of a statue than their starter, like, what is Rutgers going to do there? If Michigan State is in third and shorts all day and they have the ability to run the ball, you're not going to be able to do as much crazy stuff. And that's where, you know, it'll be curious what their game plan is. If their game plan is to try to run the ball and take it out of the hands of their quarterback, then that probably plays in the Rutgers' favor. But if they go Wisconsin style and say, okay, hey, man, these guys, on that first drive, Rutgers had no idea what Wisconsin was doing. Does Michigan State employ more of those tactics to try to make it easier for their quarterback? Yeah, because like you said, if, if they are throwing blitzes at him, then the quarterback is not, you know, this is almost his first look in certain situations on how to react. And that's obviously going to put him in some stressful, stressful positions and decision-making is going to be key. Um, but you made a good point about third down, which, you know, is really going to be huge for the, the Rutgers offense. Michigan state defense is really good on third downs this year. They're actually best in the big 10 overall. Um, but in terms of big 10 play, they're third, but they're, you know, holding opponents to 22% on third down conversions. Um, you know, obviously that, that, indicates that you know first and second down plays are going to be huge in this game for the offense do you expect and i've been kind of begging for it do you expect any change in approach in this game do you think Wimsett's going to throw a little bit more in first down or is it you think shirak is kind of kind of just stick to the script that we've seen a lot of recently yeah well if you want to flip to the Rutgers offense then i think that I think Michigan State is a lot – I think their defense is a lot like Wisconsin in terms of their personnel. But the thing is their deployment is very different. Like we've talked about before at nauseum, even in the offseason, they rely on their defensive line to stop the run. And then their linebackers generally don't play that close to the line of scrimmage. They kind of play like back to protect their defensive backs and then – if they see a run, they come like sprinting forward and they try to stop it that way. Unless you're in an obvious running situation, in which case they'll stack the box. And it's very hard to run on them. If you're saying, let's say it's third and two and you go double tight and you try to jam it down their throat, just like against Wisconsin, it's not going to work. They just, I'll tell you right now that will not work against these guys. Unless like we said, maybe you wear them down late in the game, right? I don't want records to be winning. They've run the ball 40 times, and at the end, you're like, Dave, you said it would never work. Okay, fine. If Rutgers is winning and their defense is worn down, fine. But early in the game, you're not going to see that. Their defensive front is pretty stout. But where they're not is where their defensive backs kind of give a lot of cushion. And even when you watch them play, their defensive backs play a lot more zone than we saw from, for example, Wisconsin last week. And there are lanes to throw the ball, but you've got to throw it accurately. 
If you don't throw it accurately, then they're going to get turnovers because their defensive backs aren't necessarily engaged with the receiver. So, like, if you sail the ball long, there's going to be a safety there. If you underthrow a guy, there might be a linebacker in that zone. So it's paramount that you zip the ball in accurately. And that's where, you know, I'm Ken wins that do it and do the coaching staff. Does the coaching staff have confidence that he can? That's really the key because a lot of those outbreaking routes that Rutgers has feasted on, I mean, Michigan State will give you that, but that's but those other Brett routes to like Dremel and things over the middle, they're gonna be there's gonna be bodies around and you gotta you gotta get it to his hands, right? Um, that's kind of how they are. They don't press as much. So I mean, maybe they'll come out of the bye week doing what Wisconsin did and thinking that they need to press a little bit more to generate some pressure because Wisconsin had some success with that. But if they play at their standard, then I think it's just going to be dependent on Wimsat to make throws. Like, regardless of what the play call is, he's going to have to just complete passes. And there will be passes available, but he's got to throw the ball accurately and on time. Yeah, and I think part of what people, you know, everyone looks at the completion percentage, but one point that I, I didn't do a good enough job of making yesterday was that I feel like, you know, a lot of his passes, like against Michigan and Wisconsin, right? He was in he was in all passing downs, all passing situations when they're trailing by multiple scores. So I'm hoping they're a little bit more creative, a little bit more aggressive. You know, similarly to the Northwestern game, how he they did allow him to come out throwing a little bit uh, and get into a rhythm where you know when they do fall behind, he's he's throwing in in, in all passing situations, and obviously that that makes it a little harder, I think, too, in terms of. Uh, predictability, and I'm hoping they kind of mix it up a little bit. You know, we, we've gone away. We saw Aaron Young out of the backfield catching two passes the other day. Um, you know, we don't know what we're going to get from Sam Brown. Obviously, Manungai had a huge game against Michigan State last year. Can he replicate that in any way? I think it's just, you know, also a shift in personnel. Chirac is still learning uh, how to best utilize guys. We saw Strong and Jackson together a lot more last week. They had almost half the targets in the receiving game. So, I'm encouraged by maybe some trends that we saw last week against Wisconsin that maybe we'll see more prominently featured in this game. Yeah. I mean, we, like we've said, they similar with Wisconsin, you want to get matchups with your backs against their linebackers in space. Cal Halliday, number 27 is a Rutgers enigma. I mean, there's, he's been on the field for the last couple of wins Michigan state has had in the series He's not fast. Like, he's he's vulnerable in pass coverage, but he's a sure tackler. But he's a guy, like, he has a lot of experience, makes a lot of tackles, but you, you can take advantage of him. Like, Washington was just all – like, they were taking advantage of his lack of mobility as a linebacker. And so those are situations you can exploit if you're Rutgers. How are you going to do it? I mean, I think my biggest thing going into these next two games from an offensive scheme standpoint – We've talked about it at nauseum. Like, are these plays just for the – like, is is Shiraka going to put something on top of it? Like, you've seen X on film, and then we do a double move. Or you see this look, you expect run, but then we pass, right? Like, these are the type of things that – this is the time you got to empty it. The next two yeah. weeks, you got Michigan State and Indiana. Whatever you've got available, you've got to do it. So then the question is, I, I'm sure it's in the playbook, right? But as we've talked about, it doesn't mean it's available to you during game day. And then does the Rutgers offense, not just the quarterback, is everybody able to digest 
all of these plays to have them ready to use in a game or not, right? Because we saw against Wisconsin, they went to that play. It wasn't the exact same play they scored on uh, against Virginia Tech to Dremel, but his route was the same. They tried to disguise it a little bit differently, but that corner knew exactly where that ball was going. And so, like, what do you have in the playbook that they might not be ready for? But even then, I'm not, I don't think scheme matters as much because Michigan State, they're, they're not the Michigan State of old. They're not pressing their corners. They're like willing to give up yards. And so I, I'll be very curious to see how they do it. But again, keeping the defense off balance and if you can get your quarterback in a rhythm, like you said, at the same time, that's going to put you in a position to win this game for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, those, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think that that for me is, you know, creativity. Are, are we going to see a little different look? And then also, you know, you called it with Sean Benjamin last week in terms of, you know, the staff obviously agreed in terms of trying to feature him a little bit. He didn't get a ton of carries because they, as an offense, they didn't run a ton of plays. And that's what I wanted to ask you. Is the whole running the play clock down, you know, is that almost working against Rutgers now as the competition increases, you know, it's not fooling. It didn't fool Wisconsin. Um, and it limited them in the amount of plays. Obviously they had three and outs, but at the same time, um, you know, they're not catching anybody off guard uh, in terms of running that clock down and you're giving yourself less opportunities. Now, when you fall behind, do you think they'll stay with that same approach this week and next week? Or do you think that changes at all? I think it will change a little bit. And the reason I say that is because the long – how do I say this? As a player, the longer the play clock goes down, the more – let's say a defensive player, right? The more you expect that they're going to do what you think they're going to do. And what I mean by that is, like, if it's first down and they run the play clock all the way down to one, you're, you're even more confident they're going to run the ball. And then you start, like, it's hard to stay in your stance that long as a defensive lineman. So you kind of start leaning and cheating, which often actually works to your benefit because now you're getting a little bit more push, right? Um, and then as a well, – conversely, if it's a passing situation and they run it all, then you feel even more confident. I feel like what Wisconsin was doing early in that game was the reverse. Rutgers had no idea it was coming. And then they were adjusting the tempo. So sometimes they were going with eight seconds on the play clock. Sometimes it was lower. And, like, it all keeps you off balance. Whereas if you always run it all the way down, it almost it almost can lull your team to sleep. And the defense is, like, leaning, leaning, le- almost, like, forward. And so I, I think that that's another step that this offense can take is to play a little bit more towards that. Like we talked about with Michigan – they snap the ball exactly when a guy's in motion at a certain point. It's not about how much time's in the play clock. It was about where Donovan Edwards was in his motion. Like that was what they were keying off of. And the defense doesn't know that, right? They know the play clock, but they don't know what your timing is on this play for the in development of the play. And so I think that's an opportunity, but again, Rutgers coaching staff has to trust their players can execute those type of things and then let them do it. Right. Just because you can do it, if you don't let your team do it, it doesn't it's you it doesn't it doesn't matter. So I'm hoping that we see more of that. And I don't want to say necessarily that they didn't throw things out there that they had in for Wisconsin, but once that game wasn't close, maybe there's a couple like wrinkles that they had available that they didn't go to. 
mean, maybe. We yeah. have to hope so because, you know, this Michigan State is tough. Like, I would say the talent is actually heavier on Michigan State side. I think the Rutgers coaching is a little bit better. But talent-wise, if you look at some of the, like, team talent in terms of aggregate, they're, like, fifth or sixth in the Big Ten in terms of, like, how many four-stars, high three-stars, and things like that. So if you try to go man-on-man with them head up, you don't have as good a talent as they do. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, we have Winsats, a four-star quarterback. They got two. They've got Hauser and Levitt. Right. You want to talk about the linemen. You want to talk about, especially on the defensive line, they got four star guys everywhere. Right. So just trying to line up and beat them straight away. It doesn't it's not going to work. It's not going to work. I'm not saying workers can't win the game because Michigan State makes a lot of errors, but it's not going to be like a comfortable win in any way. Like it's not going to even be you're in control of the game. It's going to be a constant struggle the whole the whole way. Yeah, and I, that's a, a great points again. And I think, you know, the way they lost to Iowa kind of contributes to the narrative that maybe they're worse than they really are. And they had that bye week to regroup. And, you know, like you touched on, they do, they do make a lot of mistakes. If they're able to limit some of those and clean some things up, they're going to be even harder to beat. And I, I just think, yeah, this is definitely – I think this is a classic 50-50 game. I don't think this is a game – I know Rutgers is favored by a few points, but um, this is not an easy game whatsoever. And I – also wonder going back to you know how they run down the play clock it was i think it's just been interesting timing when the staff has chosen to take risks on the offensive side because like when they got down to the goal line against wisconsin at the end of the second quarter all of a sudden they went no huddle and they were kind of trying to speed wisconsin up and i almost feel like it went it hurt them more than it, it, it threw wisconsin off guard because they weren't used to doing that they had timeouts available and they didn't use them and I just thought it was a curious time to try to, you know, speed up Wisconsin when those decisions are so critical right there. And I'm wondering how they maybe implore some kind of wrinkle this week in terms of the timing of it. We've talked about in the past, you know, taking advantage of mistakes, taking striking when the, the iron's hot, so to speak. Uh, I think all of those kind of decision making by the staff is going to be critical. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. I, I think it's a little hindsight 2020, though. Because if that would have worked, we'd have been like, that was genius. And, yeah. you know, one play, let's say it even is incomplete, then third and six or third and five, whatever it was, and you live to fight another down and maybe get a field goal. Like, it, I was okay with it. That was what I was okay with. Let me say it that way. Um, I think just in the interest of time, I, I want to kind of fuse two of the things you're saying about the Michigan State mistakes and then also Rutgers changing it up. I do think the difference between Wisconsin and Michigan State is that Michigan State's in the same defensive scheme they've had for like last year too. Wisconsin's in a new one. So that's why I felt like kind of putting them on their heels made more sense because they haven't had as much time for it to sink in that like what their scheme is. They, They might have miscommunications, things like that. But Michigan State should not have that. And their communication has been quite good this year. That was a point of emphasis for them. And it's noticeable. If you look back last year, if we go back to the Soraka watch, Minnesota beat them uh, 34 to 7 last year. Okay. Early in the year. And in that game, they were just discombobulated. Their defense has not been that way this year. Again, they're not pressing as much, but they are in the right spots in their zones. So I don't know if Soraka is going to be able to just use the same philosophy as he used at Minnesota last year to win the game the same way mm-hmm. or not. 
I'm really not sure because the Michigan State defense this year is much better than they were last year. They gave up almost nothing to Iowa other than a few missed tackles, most of which happened in space, right, like we've talked about. Uh, and then, like, but if you can block their front four and they have to blitz, like, can you take advantage of that? Like, that that's really what this is going to come down to. And I really think more than any other game on the schedule – this is going to come down to coaches versus coaches for sure. And the weather conditions, I think are, I think it favors Michigan state because breaking in a new quarterback is like, if both teams are reducing the playbook, they might've been doing that anyway. But if Rutgers has to start doing that because of weather conditions, then that's one less tool in their tool belt that they would potentially be using in a game like this. Yeah. That's 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 a good point um, in terms of, you know, I, I, going back to Shiraka against Minnesota with Minnesota last year. You know, how much does Rutgers look at the film against Michigan State last year? Obviously, Manungai had a career game uh, well before the Virginia Tech game, but one, one of his best games of his career. And even Wimsey had a, you know, a relatively good game in that. How much do they look at what worked in that game or is it just out the window and they're just focusing on what they've been doing now? I think it's worth looking at a lot because it's the same defensive scheme and most of the same players. Now, some of them are playing better, like Gross and um, there's that other linebacker that's playing really well for Michigan State. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Hall, Jordan Hall is actually one of the top linebackers in the Big Ten. I mean, these guys are playing better than they were last year, but there are opportunities like where Johnny Langan was getting those checkdowns and falling forward for seven yards. That's still available. Those plays are still available against – it's just because that's how their scheme is. That's not a personnel thing. Right. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I think from a blocking standpoint, the run game, they're good at stopping the run when the box is packed. But if not, you have opportunities like we talked about earlier in the year where if Manungai can get it to that second level or any of the backs and they have time to make a move on a linebacker, they might get past them. That's what we saw in that game last year. It was that Michigan State felt like, okay, we'll stop them at the second level, but they weren't. Like, that was yeah. not happening. They were stopping them at the third level, but they weren't stopped. Like, <laughs> Manunga had tons of, plenty of runs that probably could have been four yards, but they went for 12. Or, you know, like that long one down the sideline he had. I remember early in the first half, there was a big one. Or, I'm sorry, late in the first half last year. So, the run concepts are the same that work against this type of defense, even if the personnel is slightly better. So, yeah, I think there's a lot you can take from that tape. I mean, offensively, uh, on the Michigan State side, they have a really good tight end, Malik Carr. He got dinged up against Iowa. So from a defensive standpoint, I even though it's the same coaching staff, Michigan State runs pretty good route concepts. So maybe you can take away from that. But I think Harrison, that almost might be a burn the tape type type game for the Rutgers defense last year but not from the Rutgers offense. I think that they're, they're going to be able to have success doing some of the same things. All right, David Anderson, any final thoughts? Uh, we talked about the Soraka watch. We talked about the off the field stuff, really special teams. Michigan state is a very boomer bust special teams. They lost yep. the game last week, despite kicking a 58 yard field goal, hitting a 50 yard field goal off the goalpost, shanking a punt, and then having another punt return for touchdown because they called a directional punt and the punter kicked it to the other side. So, they have some good special teams, but they also are susceptible to, to errors. And that's where 
I think Rutgers game plan defensively is fine to say, okay, make these guys drive the length of the field. No big plays. Same thing in special teams. You can't let them have big plays. And I think if Michigan state does, they'll probably win the game. If they don't, I think Rutgers probably wins the game. Uh, I think if there's the less explosive plays, the better it is for Rutgers. The more explosive plays, the more it's going to benefit Michigan State. Yeah, you read my mind on special teams. I'm actually in the middle of writing an article how I think it's the X factor of the game, just based on how both teams have been a little up and down in those areas. And um, whoever has a cleaner game on special teams, I think will have a big edge. So uh, we'll see what happens. Thank you, as always, for your great insight. Uh, Appreciate it. Hopefully... We are back next week talking about how they are one win away from bowl eligibility. We will see. Thank you once again, David Anderson. Thanks, everybody.